I'm reading from Psalm 73. My text doesn't come to the end, but I really need to read the entire psalm to get us to that text. Psalm 73 in God's Word. Begin reading in verse 1. Let's hear the Lord's holy word. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, and my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence cover them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless... I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Amen. We know God will bless the reading of his word. For his name's sake, we bow in a word of prayer before we look into the Lord's word. Our God and our Father in heaven, it is in that precious name of Jesus Christ that we come humbly, yet we come boldly to the throne of grace. It's a time of need. Let us know the needs of the people gathered to hear thy word. Every need, inside and out, every home, every heart. Let us know the need of thy servant to bring a word that will be in season, that will indeed Move thy people to call upon thy name and to draw nigh to thee. 
Grant that, we pray this day. May we all know thy presence right where we are. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen and amen. The title says this was a psalm of Asaph, one of the 12 psalms that are ascribed to him. What's especially striking about Asaph is that he was one uh, who, who wrote in a very sad and doleful tone his psalms. Spurgeon said that he often wrote in the minor key. He certainly wrote about difficult times for the Old Testament church and as we've seen this afternoon, difficult times in his own life. In the psalm before us now, he is reliving one of those times that he had gone through. He describes how bad it was actually for him in, in verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. He's describing a time in his life when, when his faith and confidence in God was on the verge of being lost altogether. He was like a man who was falling, and he couldn't catch himself. It was a very dark and difficult time for Esau. My focus with you is not so much on a rehearsal of how he was thinking that time in his life, but the thing he said at the end of it all. The last verse, the first part, Asaph said this, but it is good for me to draw near to God. It is good for me to draw near to God. Two questions I want to raise and hopefully answer as we consider that statement. First, what does it mean to draw near to God? And two, why is it good to draw near to Him? Because that's what, and that what we're about right now is drawing near to God, and not just saying prayers and laying our petitions before Him, but drawing near to Him. You can do all those other things and not draw near. So what does this actually mean to draw near to God? Well, it means first that I can draw near to God. You can draw near to God. Asaph, as we read it in the psalm, speaks about God's wrath upon the wicked. But drawing near to God implies certainly there is reconciliation to God. He's not our enemy. He is not against us. Even when his providence, the things that he brings us into, seem to think, we think he is against us, that he doesn't care that we perish like the disciples on the ship. But the fact is, when he says, it's good for me to draw near to God, he's believing that he actually can draw near to God. We can God, if I can put it like this, he, he willingly and, and gladly accepts us into his presence, and not just into his presence to keep us at arm's length, but he gladly places us, wants us in a place of nearness to him. I don't know about you, but <laughs> there's been many a time in my life when, you know, you feel that why, why in the world would God want me near him? 
Why indeed? There's one answer for it, one answer only. It's all because of Jesus Christ. It's all because Christ came into this world to obey every commandment of God, something that we could never do, because God can only be pleased and happy with perfect obedience. We can't do that. We sin every day in word and thought and deed. And for us to be accepted and, and delighted in by God, we have to have a perfect obedience, and that happens through Jesus Christ. He did what we could never do, and he did it on our behalf. We can get near to God because of his death. His death was the only answer to remove our sin from us. He had to die in our stead. He had to suffer what we deserved, and he did it so fully, so completely that God's wrath cannot find our sin. His blood so covers our sins, our failures, past, present, future. They're all been dealt with by the death, the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. And of course, he rose again, declaring his victory, and now he's seated at God's right hand, always living to make intercession for us. Even now, the Savior is pleading for us, knowing that we're going to come to him in the place of prayer. And he's saying, Father, hear them, hear them. These are my people. He's interceding. That's why we can draw near to the Lord. It's not how you feel. It's not based on how well you've done the last week, how you've lived for God, how much time you spend in prayer. None of those things give us that assurance, that boldness to come to him and to actually get near to him, not stand off at a distance like some child, you know, at a, at a bakery or a candy's looking in at the, I wish I could get and have some of those delights. And no, no, the Lord says, you come near. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. Never get away from these gospel truths. This is the ground always for drawing near to him. But secondly, it also means that not only can I, you and I, draw near to God, but God wants us near him. He wants us. This is the, the story, is it not, of the Old Testament sacrificial system. There was a, the most holy place, and uh, the, the high priest could only go in there once a year. But the fact is, there was a way into the holy place, the most holy place, and God had always made a way for that. It wasn't stay away, but there was one way to do it. And God created that because he actually wants his people to draw near to him. And these were just but picture stories, lessons about the fact that God has opened up this way for us. He, because why, he, why, why did he send Christ? Why did he put his son to, to such suffering and such agony? But why did Christ go through all of that? because he wants you and he wants me near him. Not living at a distance, but actually near him. Why in the world do you find so many appeals from cover to cover in the word of God where the Lord pleads with his people to come near to him, to call upon him, to pray, all of that. It's shouting at us. The Lord's saying, I don't want you living in a distance from me. And maybe there's someone in the in the group meeting this afternoon, and you feel that God's not happy with you. And you wonder how you can pray. You know, see, the, the fact is, because of Christ, the Lord actually takes delight in you. He rejoices over you. 
there's a third thing. To draw near to God means that we pray. This, this imagery of, of drawing near to the Lord is used so many times in the Word of God, but I've got a time limit here, so I, I'm not going to pay a whole lot of mind to that, but love to go through those passages. But, but, but you find, for example, Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's that sacrifice upon the altar. The, the, the false prophets of Baal, their God didn't answer them, and it's time for God to answer by fire. And it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, there's the blood, that Elijah the prophet came near. <laughs> he came near. Did you catch that? He came near. Wasn't afraid. He came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. Is it any surprise that he came near? Any surprise that drawing near to God means prayer? Isn't the purpose of even on a, on a, a horizontal level with other people, isn't the purpose of us getting near someone is so that we will open up their heart to him or her? They would hear us. We draw near to tell them the things that are close to us and things that we don't share with anybody else near them. You don't talk like that to people that you really have a, a distant relationship with them. No, it shows that you're near them because you, you do go to them and you talk with them and you share with them. You're close. And God has appointed prayer as the primary means of drawing near to him. I thank God he speaks to us through his word. I thank God he reveals the spirit of, uh, of God, reveals Christ to us through his word. He draws us to himself through his word. But, you know, brothers and sisters, it's, it's in the place of prayer. It's there getting alone with him. Or even meetings like this when there's corporate prayer, where we're drawing near the Lord. We're getting close to him. How much the Holy Spirit has made about prayer and God's word. And if God has made so much about prayer in the life of his people, it can only mean that we are to make much use of, a, of prayer in our own lives. So nearness to God, living more and more in the reality of his presence, enjoying this fullness of joy that comes from being in his presence and every other blessing from drawing near to God comes as we pray. Reverend Alan Cairns now, who's, he's really close to God now. He's in glory. What must it be like to be there? He preached a sermon years and years ago, a prayer talk, he called it in Faith 3, much prayer, much blessing, little prayer, little blessing, no prayer, no blessing. If you haven't listened to it, go to Sermon Audio and listen. It's a tremendous prayer talk. In all of Asaph's Psalms, he is found drawing near to the Lord in prayer in all of them. Isn't that what will make heaven heaven? that we will live forever near the Lord, no longer any distance between us, no wandering off, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. All oh, that's over. We're near him forever and ever. Second and final thought, why is it good to draw near to God in prayer? 
Why is it good? Why is it good for us to do that even today? Well, as you look at Asaph, drawing near to God in prayer is the remedy for sinful, foolish behavior. It's apparent that Asaph, when he was in this place of almost falling, slipping, he wasn't living near the Lord. I, I, I wish I had the time to go through that verses 3 to 12, but you, you get a picture of Asaph, his thinking is, is really messed up. He didn't think it's right, but God is not dealing with the wicked and, and the, the, the godly are being treated so harshly. He, he was ready to throw in the towel. This just isn't fair, seeing the wicked prosper and God's people going through so much suffering. He was overcome with jealousy. Not only that, but he implies that God is unjust in allowing this to happen. Just read verses 13 to 16. It's not right. When did his heart and mind get straightened out? When he went to dwell near to God, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, there understood, then I understood I, I therein. And therein was judgment. It was there near to God that he saw how this is all going to end. He's, this is a place of judgment for these wicked. They're going to perish. Why am I jealous of them? But what fixed that bad thinking? And we're all capable. This is Asaph here, a man of God, a seer in Israel. And yet he had some twisted thinking about God, and we can fall into that same trap. We, we can say with the disciples, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you see? <laughs> Don't you see that my life is in shambles? That my heart is breaking? That this pain is unbearable? Then why aren't you doing something about it? I was sharing with Stephen this morning. I was reading in Genesis, is it 18? I can't remember. Hagar, Hagar has to flee because Sarah is treating her so harshly. She goes into the wilderness and she's beside this, this spring. And the angel of the Lord appears to her. And, and uh, she, she's, she's, she's run away, doesn't know what to do. It's so hard back at home. But God steps in to the scene. What are you doing here, Hagar? Now, she, she calls that place the, the, the well of seeing God, or she calls him by the name, God sees me. And that's the truth. God always sees exactly where we are. He sees our situation. He sees the crazy thinking, the wrong responses. He sees it all. And surely the thing that we need and must do when we're in the state of jealousy or envying, we're fearful, we're so full of pain and sorrow, we got to draw near to God. We got to go pray, just get alone and pour out our hearts to Him. It's also good to draw near to God because it is there that we experience His marvelous grace. Verse 23. Well, back up, get the previous verse for the context. He says, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Now, that word beast means stupid, stupid and senseless. No proper understanding 
wrong views of God. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holded me by my right hand. He, he understood, even when he was thinking like that, so, so twisted in his thinking, he was still with God and God was with him. God was still holding him by his hand. Read me back to Isaiah 41. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness, because God will not break the bruised reed, nor will he quench the smoking flax. Count on it. It's in prayer that this becomes reality. It's drawing near to God that he draws nigh to you. You sense his presence, and your night turns into day, and your sorrows melt away. And you're able to rejoice in your circumstances because you've drawn near to God and God's drawn near to you. You see, this is all about grace. My, it's all about grace. So much needs to be emphasized this day on grace, grace, grace. I'm not talking about living like you want to live at all. Oh, I can sin away because there's grace. No, I'm just talking about understanding that God receives us always on the ground of grace, not our performance. Not because of how good we've been, how much Bible we've memorized, how many people we've witnessed to, how faithful we are at church, none of that. He always receives us and gets near to us because of grace. Free, unmerited love that will never stop. That's our God. That's our Savior. It's also finally good to draw near to God because it's there we find out how much we need him. Verses 25 and 26. Listen to what he's saying. He's drawn near to God. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, uh, my, the Lord took my wife home about two and a half years ago and left such a big hole, an emptiness. First year was extremely difficult. If you've lost your spouse, you know what I'm talking about. This, this statement, whom have I in heaven but thee, took on new meaning to me. You, you find out that at the end of the day, who is there but the Lord? Who is there really? Who, who, who can you go to? Who can you really open up to and, and tell them everything? Pour out your heart. None but the Lord. No one but him really understands. He sees it all. He sees you right where you are in your tears and your fears and your worries, your anxieties, your, your failures and your flops. He sees it all. He knows how much you need him. So that's the reason why these things come into our lives. We have to learn how much we need him. We just can't do without him. What a change was brought into Asaph's life because he drew near to God. I pray the Lord will give us all grace today to do that. He'll meet with you right where you are.
God bless his word for his namesake, Stephen.